Hi, I'm Anna-Claire Harper, and you're listening to The Return, property and investment podcast, sharing insights and information on key topics from real estate technology to sustainability. Feel free to get in touch or follow recent news by connecting on LinkedIn, Anna-Claire Harper. Hi, and welcome to The Return. I'm Anna Harper, and this week, I wanted to discuss the value of having a mentor, ideally with great hair. So I brought my own mentor on here, John Corey. Hi, John. How are you? Very good. And by the way, for those that can't see me, I honestly do have great hair. <laughs> I didn't have to dye it. Yeah, it's not just the show. So I thought we should discuss this because, look, it's widely acknowledged in any industry and at any stage of business that having a mentor can help. There's plenty of stats. It might be 20% increase in success. It might be 2,000%. It depends where you believe, what you believe on the internet. But there's plenty of evidence that it makes a big difference. And there's a little bit of stigma, I think, around seeking help, especially in small business and investment. So I thought I'd bring you in to discuss the benefits that I've seen and the benefits that other people can have. Because I think it can make a really big difference to people whether they're starting out or whether they're scaling up or whether they're changing, pivoting. So I just had a thought when you use the word stigma, it's interesting, and I think I would agree with you having not really thought it through, but if you look at the classic bright, intelligent person who goes through a normal academic process, it rewards people for individual contribution. It's called cheating if you collaborate, Mm -hmm. where in the work world we call it collaboration or teamwork. So the stigma probably is quite well reinforced among those that are quite intelligent and academically accomplished. So the the idea that you have to reach out to others may be actually more prone to come from people who don't go through the normal academic career. Uh, Silicon Valley is full of startups that are, that are run by dyslexics and others like that because they couldn't fit in. So they didn't sense they could see the future because they couldn't live in the present. And they don't have stigma about reaching out to others because they've already been stigmatized as they don't fit in. Yep. So it's an interesting dimension. Yeah, I completely agree. So, um, yeah, can you explain a bit about who you are and what you do? And- Very good. So John Corey is the name. I'm American, if you can tell by the accents. Been, I've been living in Britain most of the time since 1994. So I have a technology background, worked at Hewlett Packard after graduating with a degree in computer science. I was actually paid by Hewlett Packard in 1982 to be online. A lot of people listening probably weren't even born then, and I was already paid. Uh, we didn't call it social media. We didn't have that word yet or that phrase. Later, I moved on to another company called Next until we discovered that there was a retailer in Britain called Next. We had to change the name to Next Computer. This is the company Steve Jobs founded after he left Apple, which is why it was called Next because it was his next company. At least that's my interpretation. I did spend a year working directly for Steve. I also ran into a guy there from another project who later asked for some help on his startup a number of years later. And he's a co-founder of LinkedIn, so I was a beta tester at LinkedIn. The track for the property side is I started investing in property in 83, so about a year and a half after I landed in Silicon Valley. And these days, I like to say I'm a property investor with property from Hawaii to Bradford. And there's lots of gaps. I don't own property in all locations, but it's 11 time zone difference, so it's a bit of a pain when you have to make certain phone calls. But in the internet world, it's a lot easier to have a diversified portfolio. Cool. Okay, so I have thought of seven as a minimum reasons why having a mentor with great hair is beneficial and can add value. I thought we could discuss each one. Okay, just for those that are listening, there's gray hair is a metaphor for people who have a lot of experience. 
if I was looking for a mentor on how to win the Olympics in cycling, the individuals who might know how to do that may be only in their 20s and not even have gray hair. So it's a, so metaphorically, think of someone who's already been there, done that, based on where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if they do have gray hair, that might be a sign in certain industries that they probably have been around long enough to see the cycles. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm more than happy to say I have gray hair. I think otherwise we'd have a problem with the rest of this episode. Um, no, so I, so I think the, let's start with how we met. So network, mentors help you to grow your network, make you slow introductions and so on. And when I met John, I was completely green. I was, what, 22 probably? Um, and I didn't, I honestly didn't have a clue what I was doing. I turned up to some networking event and it turned out to be one that John had organised and he made sure I met people who were interesting even though I didn't know what I was doing at that point and has consistently kind of organized events made introductions and so on and that was really useful and over the years I I feel a bit less green but there still continues to be still continues to make connections what's your take on that so I do remember where we first met I can remember the room and everything else Um, you had cycled up Uh, (laughs) you're, you're a keen cyclist and that's how you travel between meetings, you were working full-time, and launching your property activities part-time. Uh, it turns out later, after I get to know you better, you do have an academic background that ties into the property sector, real estate sector. The On the evening, one of the things you did well, uh, so it was a, I was in a temporary location for three months. I've been running this meeting for 14 years. As of now, it was probably six years ago, whatever. And you made the point of introducing yourself. And that goes a long way to getting connected, particularly if you introduce yourself to the person hosting the meeting, because they'll know the best who's in the room. And if you say hello and maybe give an indication of what brought you there, why you're there, it's very easy for them to probably introduce you to someone. So as a tip to anyone listening, if you go to networking meetings, try to meet the host. And the host can then pass you on to some other people that might actually know the things you want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you have to put yourself out there a little bit because I seem to remember in that meeting, you know, as I say, I was 22 and everyone else was kind of 40 plus and all looked like they knew what they were doing. And I I, I suspect I didn't look like I knew what I was doing, but it takes a bit of confidence to make that first step. But actually after that, so you have studied a very sort of overlapping area. You studied it longer at university than almost anyone in the room. So while you think you don't know what you're doing, everybody brings their own conversation to the table. And it's about being interesting and interested in others. So don't fall into the trap of I'm a newbie who's going to talk to me. People love talking to newbies. And newbies have other things that are interesting. That's true. Okay. Um, that was a mentor tip right there, folks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In practice. Okay, so I think the next point then, which is very relevant, is knowledge. So speeding up the learning curve. And I think having had you mentoring me has helped me shortcut certain learnings, whether they're not so much technical, actually, for me, I think, but more around running a business. And I mean, there's for example, one of the things that I've been looking into recently was around fund management. And then we had a 20 minute conversation over the summer where I learned more about fund management structuring and raising finance for that specific niche 
in that 20 minutes than I would have in three hours on the internet because I just cut straight to the most relevant point. I think that's a massive value add. What do you think? So a friend uh, who's now deceased is John Perry Barlow. And John Perry created or wrote things and invented terms that we all know. And one of the phrases he used as being sort of articulate words is that as much as you can do all these things, Googling, searching, whatever on the internet, five minute conversation with the right person will advance things much faster. Um, so it's almost like you have uh, these autonomous search engines walking around. If you put out the right messages and you ask them questions, either they will know something or they will know someone who knows someone. So your job is to ask, to engage, and your job is also somewhat not to just take with the same blind. You know, possibly people have their own biases or have their own experiences and maybe they haven't seen the fuller picture. So depend on individuals to lead you in the right direction and then um, trust but verify. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely accelerate things. Uh, just like in physics, I don't have to understand all the things uh, Newton did to figure out the laws of physics, but I could actually just read about it now that he's done the hard work yeah. and build my life going forward based on what other people have done behind me. Yeah. Standing on the shoulders of giants, you, you advance forward. Yeah, uh, which leads nicely on to learning from mistakes that your mentor has seen or experienced. So without having to go through it, so learning, yes. not reinventing the wheel. Um, everyone goes through challenges in business and in property investment. And I think it's really great to have someone else's perspective who's seen people make mistakes that you might be about to make. Um, so you can learn faster and smarter, but you can also avoid reinventing the wheel and making the same mistakes that others have made. So we're human beings who have our own little worldview and we see the world through our own prism, which sometimes is actually incorrect. Uh, at the same time, we don't have enough time to make all the mistakes uh, and then live our life if we could leverage what other people have already done. So learning from other people's mistakes uh, helps, realizing that they're still alive and ticking and after the mistake means that it, the mistake is survivable. Mm. Uh, which might give you confidence to take the chance, or it might give you insight that as sexy as it looks on the surface, this is likely to blow up further down, so don't yeah. start, why waste your time? Opportunity costs, you and I have talked about opportunity costs where it doesn't make sense to do everything that is put in front of you. Some things really aren't gonna be worth the time, or they're gonna distract you, or they're not gonna play to your strengths. And again, this is an interesting thing when you're dealing, uh, working with a mentor is, you are not them, you didn't grow up with their experiences, you didn't live through their life, therefore some of the things that worked or didn't work for them may not translate so well. Um, you have to understand your own passions. You may have to discover those passions. Similar to dating, you might need a lot of first dates to start to understand yourself about how are you in a team, how are you, you know, what is strong and that you need and other things that we can compromise on. Same in the corporate world on teams, that there's a dynamic that goes on. So your mentor can accelerate things quite quickly and be a good sounding board. And a really good mentor is almost like a mirror where they get you get to see yourself without all the fuzzy crap that you put in your head about um, how it is. They sort of make it much more raw, much more naked as to, you know, this is actually what people see. You know what, that was going to be my next point, so thank you for bringing cool. me on to that. <laughs> um, it's almost like I read these, and just so others know, I didn't read these. So. <laughs> yeah, in typical fashion, I sent a list of points to John to read, and he didn't read them. Um, so well, I, I think the emotional content's better when you yeah, don't know in advance where we're going. And, and this is also something that your mentor should be able to dance. Uh, and by that, I mean they should, be, they should have the intellectual ability and experience to 
talk about things that maybe they haven't directly done, but they can empathize with you, they can understand your points, and they can intellectually discuss with you so that they, it's almost like in a therapy session, the therapist can't fix you, you fix you, but the therapist facilitates your discovery and accelerates it. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And a good example, I think, of that with us was you've been kind of listening to me talking about whether I should carry on doing a podcast because a lot of stuff in my business background and my, business, my professional career basically is changing at the moment. And I wasn't sure whether it would still be relevant. And you, I suppose, have taken on what I've said and continue to encourage me to do it, which brings me to the next point, which is encouragement. There's a subtle thing there. And this is for everybody listening, and Anna, you're just going to have to suck it up. <laughs> um, Anna delivers. So it's one thing to encourage someone, but if they're not good at follow through and delivery, then frankly, it's a waste of time encouraging them. Yeah. Uh, when Anna decides she wants to do something, she delivers. So taking something you obviously have a passion for that you want, in a sense, almost permission to continue to do, even if you're not sure how it fits in the bigger context right now, and sort of nudging you in that direction, it's like he really healthy for me to feel like that's a positive nudge because you're going to run with it. And I get to sort of sit in the stands and watch you run and win. And this is great. You know, it's fun. Good. <laughs> you're stuck with it. Um, no, so that's great. I think that's very closely related to my next point, which is convenient, um, which is helping you to grow both personally and professionally, and also in a way setting goals and strategies. So over the summer, I had a moment, um, it really wasn't very long ago, where I felt a little bit stuck uh, professionally, and I was about to take a pivot, and I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, only uh, I knew what was happening to me at that point, but I didn't know quite where I would go. Um, and I think this happens to people at all stages in their career, whether the market's good, whether the market's not, whether they're changing personally, whether they're not. And so, basically, I mean, basically, we went and ate a big pile of red meat, and John kind of made me raise and counter every possible objection to making the decisions and changes that I was thinking about, and ask questions until I'd worked out what I wanted to do. And I, honestly, I can't remember what you actually said that day because I don't think you told me what to think but you somehow asked the questions that led me to make a decision I think that was it's not my job to tell you but it might be my job to ask questions so you can tell you mm, yeah that's what happened mm. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it works Aristotle right? yeah so I you, think you already had the answers they were just very stuff mm. and there's a famous management consultant Peter Drucker and he talks about if there's two choices you should pick. If there's two choices and you honestly don't know which one is the right choice, but they both will more or less, you think, get the job done, there's some differences. And the example he gives is an auto factory. You have more demand than you can produce for the current factory. Do you put a third shift on or do you build out an extension to the factory? And because you don't know that the sales are going to continue past the current supply imbalance, he would say, build out a third shift, get you know the staff in and create a third shift. And if you have to, you can back up. So the metric there is when you truly don't know which is the right answer, pick the one you can reverse from easier so you can go down the other one later. And there's a famous poem by Robert Frost, which is The Road Less Traveled. It's the same sort of point. You don't actually, you'll never know what it might have been to go the other way exactly at that moment. But, you know, think about what might happen and what the possibilities are and we call it recoverable mistakes. We call it, you know, the lean startup, the, the minimum viable product where you want to learn certain things. And so you need to throw it out there and get started. 
Um, there's one more, I think, which is perspectives on improvement areas. So I can think of a few times over the years where you've kind of taken a perspective and said, you know, this is something that you need to improve, improve, improve. And I think that's been really valuable because it's quite difficult to, if you've got someone who's close to you, you're working with every day, it can be quite difficult to take on feedback without taking it personally. Um, and you have to be sort of very mature and confident in yourself to do that. Everyone's got improvement areas. That's something we were discussing before we started this. So I think that's a really valuable role. The human nature is that in an existing relationship, there's a lot of baggage and other information or emotions. And having this outside perspective can be quite refreshing. They don't come in with the biases. They, they don't have much skin in the game. So therefore, they're not wed to prior decisions. And they can just reflect how it looks right now. It may be giving an individual permission then to move on, or maybe giving them permission to pivot or something. But uh, one of the things I always enjoyed about Silicon Valley is it's a very harsh environment when if you're getting it wrong, you're getting it wrong. And funny enough, in the marketing world, we talk about test, test, test that I don't care how smart you are, it doesn't matter what you've come up with until the market validates that it works, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. In the rest of life, we worry about not making mistakes because we see mistakes as bad, but in marketing, we call it testing. So what you want is to have these tests be affordable so you can do lots of them and let the marketplace tell you what's working. You just have to be careful that you're asking questions the marketplace can handle. If you were talking about the iPhone, no one asked for a Gorilla Glass. No one asked for a phone without a keyboard. It was only after the full package was released that people got their head around it. So you can also get false positives and false negatives if you're not careful what you're measuring. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, just concluding, I suppose, the topic, I think something you said earlier about um, encouraging someone and then seeing them run is really relevant. Um, so I have one or two of my own mentees, and I find it a very different experience mentoring if the person will pick something up that we've discussed and run with it and be really passionate and let me know how they're getting on and I suppose take the encouragement and, and amplify it um, and it, it's not as encouraging if you're kind of pushing someone and they're, and they're not wanting they're not really willing to move or wanting to move or they're not incentivized enough to take the action they need to so I think in a sense it's a two-way thing and actually we've been I, I wouldn't refer to you as my mentor in any other context than business because actually we're just friends and I guess my point is that there's a two-way relationship and both have to kind of it give that has to have value to both sides exactly it and is, it's not just about having a free lunch basically yeah. is my point now, if someone's paying for mentorship fine that may be more like paying for education and the student can choose to apply it or not and the educator or the trainer or the whatever you want to call the person which might not necessarily be they say they're a mentor, they can be happy just being economically compensated. You can't force a horse to drink if you lead into water and all the rest of it. Mm. So, and a non-commercial... Uh, like counter to what you yeah. just said. I actually don't think so. I think I'm more picky about who I work with, who I mentor. Well, um, that's that, based on experience of even if you're getting paid, if someone's doing the work and isn't engaged and isn't enthusiastic, even though they're paid, it, for me it's... Maybe I just need to charge more. <laughs> but, um, but I don't think that the payment is, is sufficient. There is a value proposition. Mm -hmm. And if there's no economics, so like a professor teaches a room with students. In fact, these days, the room may not be, may not be full. The students may be watching a live broadcast from their beds. 
Mm. Um, and the professor then grades the work and awards the degrees to those who pass, but they're not economically responsible to make sure everybody passes. They, they may emotionally want to do a good job and they may want to have a good pass rate, but you can't force people to do things that they're not committed to doing. A healthy uh, mentor-mentee relationship when it's not economically driven is normally about both sides getting something of value. And the easiest way for a mentor to feel they're getting value is for the mentee to make progress. Um, it may be in different ways that, you know, that life happens and you go in different directions, you find new passions, you get married, get divorced, whatever. You know, there's lots of stuff that may be outside of the business environment that also is dictating what's possible. Uh, you may have a relocation you weren't expecting or a child that needs a special sports or school program, and that causes a separation. But the mentor wants to have some emotional or intellectual feedback. And easiest way a mentee can provide that is to listen to what is being said, honestly weigh it up. It doesn't mean doing everything they suggest because it doesn't always mean that you, what's being suggested is right uh, for that person at that time. But seeing progress is really puts a big smile on my face when you make progress and seeing people grow, transform. It's also in a funny way, transformative for the mentor because they're still on their journey. They're still a work in progress and watching others grow gives you energy to continue your own growth and struggle through the, the bad patches and all the rest of it. So there is a value proposition, mm. whatever that may be. It could be buying lunch, but it's generally not that. Yeah. That's just sort of around the edges. If it's, a paid relationship that's more like a teacher rather than a student rather than a mentor. If it's not paid, then really it is that sort of energy that comes from guiding and helping success and being part of the ecosystem of that person that you're mentoring becoming successful. And you probably as a mentor, you're a mentee of someone else's. And so you're, it's just being up the road, as I would say, where I'm a little further down the road and there's someone further down the road for me. The only case that it breaks down, which is quite interesting, is if you're, in, if you're in a role where you're inventing the future, there's no one already down the road. So then you have to look left and right to other industries and other sectors and learn from them to then figure out how you're going to build out the road so that others can travel behind you. Mm -hmm. Coming from Silicon Valley, there's definitely a number of times when we were inventing things which we didn't realize maybe would change the world, but at the same time, you were definitely inventing things that hadn't been done. So um, there were, so I'm, we talked about seven things, so I'll just repeat them in case anyone didn't get any. So it was knowledge, um, improvement areas, encouragement, personal and professional growth, having a sounding board, enhancing and building your network, and learning through the mistakes of others, not necessarily just reinventing the wheel. So I, I am confused about um, people who don't see having a mentor as a sign of strength because the way I feel like it's added value to me is kind of, it's helped me and it kind of, I suppose, shows that you're strong enough and driven enough to go out and seek help rather than the other way around. And I've definitely felt that in my experience. But I do think the point you made about having paid mentors versus not paid mentors, there is a really important point in there if people are thinking about it, which is that the fit the fit point is still relevant regardless of whether you're paying. So don't think that just because you've paid someone that is going to be a guarantee to success, whether it's paid or not paid. There has to be a good fit and the enthusiasm on both sides to make it work. Um, yeah, I don't think that's quite a mentor. It might, maybe it's called a mentor because it's a cliched word that people have to use. It may be a coach. You're, you're renting a coach. Uh, there definitely has to be some chemistry. 
And you might end up starting out in a paid relationship and realize that there is no chemistry, so then find a way to exit it. I've done some mentoring of other people that they're paying me, and we do it on a quarterly basis, which allows them to, in a sense, get started and exit if they want to. That's fine that maybe they now discover that what they were trying to do isn't a fit for them. So it would be good to exit. I also think you, everybody who's in something like this should think about how do you graduate? How do you get to the point where you've gone up enough, like when you graduate from university or high school or whatever it is you graduated from, that you can feel that sense of accomplishment. You can feel that transition. You can still have relationships made with people, but you're no longer the student you were or the, the mentee you were. And thinking that you should graduate probably forces you to think about, well, why am I here? Or what am I trying to get out of it? And when I did get that, then I can move on. And, or we can renegotiate and we're going to now adopt and set a new set of goals. But graduation is a positive. Mm. Interesting thought. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add on the value of having a mentor with gray hair? <laughs> uh, it, it is, we could talk for hours on this, but I think we've covered really the biggest points. And it's an opportunity for people who are listening to discover what they need in their life to identify mentors for themselves. They can certainly reach out to you or I or whatever, but there's certainly other people out there that may be a perfect fit for what they need. Um, it, it's, a, it's a conversation, so I want everybody to get engaged with the conversation and continue to sort of learn from Anna and her podcast. Perfect, thank you. And just one more point is that I suppose the actual topic itself is not really related to property, invest, property or investment, but the reality is, I suppose, if you're working for a property company or if you're running your own property company and if you're investing it is highly relevant and yeah of course it's relevant elsewhere but i feel like we should discuss the stuff that's relevant and not worry about whether it's only relevant anyway on that note um we'll tie this episode up if you have any questions or comments it's the return podcast on facebook um returnpodcast.com on the internet at the .return.podcast on Instagram or leave a review on Apple Podcasts which would be a great help because they love reviews. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to The Return. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as this really helps other people to find the podcast.